Welcome back to episode 34 of the Teacher of the Film Buff podcast. A lot of stuff to break down this week. We had some trailers debut throughout uh, the last seven days. Plenty of award nominations that uh, just came out over the last 24 hours. And a little bit of casting. As per usual, it seems like there's just about one piece of casting for that one specific superhero movie in 2021 every single week over the past month and a half or so. So another big week in the world of, of movies and, and television. Let's go ahead and kick it off, though, with the uh, the trailers. So there's, I mean, there's about six big trailers that have debuted um, over the last week or so. A couple more coming, I believe, um, at least from what we've heard. There are a couple more big ones coming. We'll get to that later. Um, but I, this is all really, honestly, because Star Wars The Rise of Skywalker is coming out. There's always that big December release, and, and really the Christmas time is, is the busiest time of year for movies, that like five-day stretch there where it's Christmas and that weekend. Um, it's typically like one of the biggest weekends of the year, and Christmas almost every year, besides like the day Avengers Endgame came out or whatever, but Christmas is pretty much every year the, the biggest movie-going day of the year um, for whatever reason. I don't really know why that tradition started, but it, it, it is a... I don't even think I've ever actually gone to a movie on Christmas now that I think about it. Um, always too much family stuff going on. But let's go ahead and start with the Ghostbusters Afterlife trailer. So first of all, that title seems, uh, I don't even know. It just, it seems like a, a subtitle that they kind of throw onto a movie to just to give it some uniqueness. It's kind of like, uh, you know, Batman be Superman Dawn of Justice it's like do we really need that that subtitle there and um or I mean the the apes subtitles have been solid just because I love the way they work in the planet of the apes to the title um it's something like um gosh I can't even I mean it's just just it seems so generic um but hey I mean that doesn't necessarily mean the trailer's awful because it's actually not a bad trailer in my opinion i think the trailer um you know i remember when the first trailer for the 2016 ghostbusters came out and i was actually on board with it as goofy as it was as stupid humor as it had um i was on board i thought it looked pretty solid uh but at the same time that movie kind of was doomed from the start um just there was too much backlash going on the backlash led to like people going in with different expectations and blah 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 I thought the movie was leaning towards bad but not not terrible just really average and kind of unnecessary to the most part just didn't seem like it justified its existence and I I would honestly say the same about this movie so far Ghostbusters Afterlife the only thing that's kind of keeping me um, on board, I guess, is is the fact that there's a good cast. You got Carrie Coon, uh, you have um, uh, the little young actress from Gifted, as I pull up her name here, Finn Wolfhard's in this movie. You got Paul Rudd to come in this movie, and as far as we know, uh, they got back pretty much all of the uh, the original cast. Whether or not they actually, you know, use the the original cast to its uh, to their benefit this time, McKenna Grace is her name terrific young actress 
very, very good and gifted. She was also good in I, Tanya. Uh, the little bits I saw of Haunting of Hill House, I thought she was pretty good, and I just haven't finished that series. Um, I hear good things about uh, Annabelle Comes Home. Uh, so, I mean, it, 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 you know, she was also in Captain Marvel. That's right. Okay. Um, you know, I... I, I'm optim I'm optimistic about the Ghostbusters movie. I just don't care. Like I just have no interest. Like if somebody told me like you could see the new Ghostbusters movie tonight if you pay five dollars and nobody else will see it for the next eight months, I'd be like, yeah, no, yeah, no. Uh, even if it's like a dollar. Like I, is that sad? It kind of is. I mean, I, I just have no interest in it. Uh, and and it perhaps it will kind of suffer the same fate as Terminator: Dark Fate. No pun intended. Um, just like the last movie kind of soured a lot of people's tastes, like Terminator Genesis did, and even as good as Dark Fate is for the Terminator franchise, which I thought it actually was a pretty solid movie. Um, it just it was never going to make its money back with all the, the bad publicity over the last few years. Um, so we'll see. I think the movie looks pretty well made. Um, and I, I was surprised that they actually kept every uh, you know cameo or every uh, full, the old characters out of the trailer because they didn't do that for the original Ghostbusters uh, they did on the first trailer but they didn't for the entire marketing campaign so I don't know I'm, I'm curious um, but ultimately at this point I just don't care let's move on to the free guy trailer it's, it's very generic it almost seems like it's Deadpool light kind of in a way it, it, I think it is going to be rated R I'm pretty sure from the, from the way the trailer seemed um, but at the same time like uh, you know I don't know like Ryan Reynolds I'm I don't know why he chose this one, you know? I think that the marketing campaign so far, though, like the little stuff he was doing on Twitter, the uh, like the mock trailers, the, the, it just that stuff is very clever with Jodie Comer and little, little Ray Howery. Is that his name? I can't even remember. Um, yeah, so I, I don't know. I'm, I'm curious. Again, it feels like I'm rehashing the same thing I said about Ghostbusters, but at this point they haven't completely sold me on it. Let's move on, though. Uh, to the James Bond trailer, No Time to Die. And actually, you know, we're going to do what we did with uh, Rise of Skywalker um, and kind of just, I'm going to just talk about the trailer as I play it in the background here because it has been a, a week since I, you know, checked out this trailer and, and maybe it, it grows on me. I just felt the first time it did feel a little generic. I, and again, I feel like I'm just saying the same thing over and over again. But, you know, in the, the age we are now, you have to kind of separate yourself from the pack. Um, but there's some there's some really cool stuff in this trailer from what I remember. Let's, let's go ahead and play in the background here. Um, yes, yeah, so, I mean, I'm, I, uh, this is what I was actually talking about uh, with a friend of mine is that I, I love the use of the actual classic car here. It feels like the, the car's been in it a lot in the previous movies, just hasn't really used it much. Um, but, of course, you have Leah Sadeau. Uh, returning from her role in Spectre. Um, looks like she's holding secret. Uh, you know, of course, there's uh, Ray Fiennes. It it's kind of feels like Skyfall a little bit here, where he's like, you know, he's he's on vacation or something. Yeah, the moral... Yeah, see, there you go. So, so that's Lashana Lynch, you know, basically saying the world's moved on. It's been two years, like... Did he just leave for two years with Leia Seydoux? I mean, I don't know. It kind of did that with Skyfall. Did we need to do it again? So again, it's got to justify its its existence here. 
Um, yeah, this, it'll be interesting to see how people react to the new 007. There's a great shot of Daniel Craig there, of course. Of course, I love, I mean, everybody's loving on that moment where he's like, Bond. And then he's waiting, and the guy's like, I don't know who you are. James Bond. And he finally realizes who it is. That's great stuff. Um, of course, yeah, Q. Can't have a trailer for Bond without Q. And of course, there's the return of Christoph Waltz. So, again, it's like, I mean, what... Mm, I don't know. A lot of people didn't like Spectre. I mean, I was on the fence. Uh, I I have the movie. I own the movie. So, I, I mean, ultimately, I think it's a pretty solid movie. It's just not anywhere near the quality of Casino Royale or Skyfall. But to me, I think the crowning achievement of Bond is, is those two movies, and specifically Casino Royale. Um, but, hey, Christoph Waltz is returning. He's a great actor, so we'll see. Just some great shots of... of big landscapes there of, of, yeah, and then uh, the, the introduction of the mask like what what's going on there with the mask for Rami Malek's character uh, I, I don't know how I feel about that it's an interesting choice that's a great voice for a villain Rami Malek just he, he's born to play uh, a Bond villain this is I, I think that that might be the one aspect of the movie although I did say the same thing about Christoph Waltz because, um, of course, he's played some fantastic villains uh, in Quentin Tarantino movies. And I love that shot of Anya de Armas there. We'll see how much of a role she actually has to play. We'll get into her a little bit later when we talk about the Golden Globe nominations, but her chemistry with Daniel Craig in Knives Out was a, one of the highlights of that film. So uh, interested to see how she works into the Bond movie here. It's a great... Is he, I feel like his face should have been more messed up there when he has his turn. Great shot of Ani Darmer's action there. Perhaps she's working for Rami Malek. That seems like an old school Roger Moore thing there. Um, even that, that seems like it's a shot from Spy You Love Me. Uh, that's great stuff. That's great stuff right there. The action with the car. Great stuff. And I love the title, No Time to Die. I love the poster. Uh, great stuff. I mean, honestly, the trailer has grown on me. Just watching it right here uh, as we're recording, uh, very solid trailer. I don't, I won't go as far as like, oh, it's the greatest Bond trailer ever. Like, come on, get out of here. The Skyfall trailers were really great, and actually, even the Spectre trailer was really, really fantastic. So, um, yeah, no, I mean, that's uh, that's where I stand. In no time to die. Let's move on to Black Widow. Uh, so this movie along with the movie I will talk about next. It just seems like, and you know, we'll just go ahead and say it. Wonder Woman 1984. Both movies just look like fun, you know? Like Black Widow has the the spy element that to me just looks like pure Marvel fun, but also like it takes itself seriously. It's kind of like Winter Soldier in that way, um, which is certainly the vibe I got. A lot of people did get from the trailer. Wonder Woman 1984 just looks like pure 80s fun. Uh, I love the time period that they take the the story to. We'll see how the, you know, uh, the angle with Kristen Wiig works. Like I, I don't know, it's a weird choice for Cheetah, um, and maybe that's kind of the point, right? So, so Cheetah herself is is just a very out there villain. Um, there's really, I almost thought there wasn't much they could do with uh, Ares either in the first one, but they they pulled that off. 
So I'm, I'm confident that they can do the same with Cheetah. Just, I mean, how do you even portray that character in live action without it seeming corny? But if you're going to do that, I guess you take it to the time period of the 80s because that's, um, you know, a lot of people think that's the the decade of cheesy movies. So good work, good work. Um, and the action, of course, looks great with Patty Jenkins returning at the helm of the movie. Uh, Black Widow looks great action-wise as well with the even the little bits they, they show of Scarlett Johansson versus Florence Pugh's character. Uh, I seriously think Florence Pugh is has a chance to be like top five act, actresses working today in the next couple years. Uh, she's had just one hell of a year. Fighting with my family, Midsommar, and now Little Women coming out. And then next year, Black Widow. So... Uh, I'm I'm stoked for for where she's going in her career, and I think that that movie looks pretty dang good. Wonder Woman 1984, the same as well. But the final trailer we're going to talk about, to me, is clearly, clearly the best trailer that has come out last week, and that is Move On. Uh, this movie is jumping on my list of top, you know, 20 anticipated movies of 2020. Uh, I just think the way they incorporate the the score of the original movie with like, uh, or I should say the songs of the original movie with the score of this trailer is mind blowing, and it's it's just it's so beautiful in a way as well. I hope that they actually do that with the uh, the movie itself. I hope it's just not a trailer gimmick. Um, but I think she looks great as Mulan. Uh, just the, the scope of it, it looks so much bigger than any other. Disney live action remake uh, that they've done so far so I'm I'm just really really stoked for that movie and I'm excited for um, you know the Disney movies to kind of take a different direction it just seems like they played it safe a lot and it seems as though from this trailer at least that Mulan is, is doing the opposite so I, I I really dug that trailer all right let's go on here to the awards nomination section of the episode here, we're going to start with uh, the critics' choice here. So, as I still get over that cold from Thanksgiving break, we're going to start with Best Supporting Actress in a Comedy Series for the Critics' Choice. Uh, you know, to me, and I haven't seen The Marvelous Mrs. Maisel Season 3, and it's weird that they're already like nominated, considering that these nominations came out like two days after the season debuted, but, you know, whatever. Uh, Alex Borstein should win. But I do think Sean Clifford is fantastic, but I, I think that, um, yeah, I think Borstein's going to win again. But special shout-out for Betty, Glo- Betty Gilpin for Glow, because she's always great. Uh, best Supporting Actor in a Comedy Series. Again, I, I think that this one goes to goes to Fleabag um, with Andrew Scott. I think that there's so much... God, there's so much buzz around him and that show, even nine months or eight months after that show came back. Uh, so I think he's going to take it. And these are just like top-of-the-head predictions, not really, you know, hold-me-to-it predictions. But Best Actress in a Comedy Series, Christina Applegate, Allison Brie, Rachel Brosnahan, Kirsten Dunst, Julia Louis-Dreyfus, Catherine O'Hara, and Phoebe Waller-Bridge. There's no chance anybody wins this but Phoebe Waller-Bridge. But at the same time... Brosnahan's, I think, has won it the last two years. So, and of course, this is Julia Louis-Dreyfus's last year uh, in the category for Veep. So, take watch out for those two. Best actor in a comedy series. You know, you got Ted Danson, Walton Goggins, Bill Hader, Eugene Levy, Paul Rudd, Bashir Saluddin, and Rami Youssef. I actually have not seen either of those two last shows on there or Shit's Creek. 
um, or the unicorn, actually. The only ones I've actually seen, now that I think about it, are Barry and um, a couple episodes into Living With Yourself. So uh, Bill Hader most likely will win this as well. Best comedy series that's going to flea bag. Let's face the facts. Let's move on. It's not going to be anybody else. <laughs> uh, best supporting actress in a drama series. So nobody except for Gwendolyn Christie here in Game of Thrones. That's probably the biggest shock there. Um, seems likely they give this, uh, you know, just the top of my head, seems likely they would give this to Meryl Streep because she was really good in Big Little Lies. But I could see them going Helena Bonham Carter uh, because I, I hear good things about The Crown Season 3. Best Supporting Actor in a Drama Series. Um, yeah, the only ones I've seen here are Peter Dinklage and Game of Thrones, and I don't I don't think they're going to give it to him again, but I could be wrong. Best actress in a uh, or best actress in a drama series: uh, Christine Baranski, Olivia Coleman, Jodie Comer, Nicole Kidman, Re- Regina King, M.J. Rodriguez, and Sarah Snook, along with Zendaya for Euphoria. Uh, again, I haven't really seen any of these except for Killing Eve, Big Little Lies. Um, so that's tough. This is a tough category. <coughs> Excuse me. Uh, my gut says Olivia Coleman here. Uh, the but most voting bodies for every single uh, you know company or association they love Olivia Coleman, and uh, I think I think she's gonna win. I, I again I've not seen The Crown season three. Best actor in a drama series. Uh, again, Kit Harrington, the only one from Game of Thrones here. I guess you can consider him the only lead. Uh, Billy Potter. Billy Porter for Pose, most likely going to win that. Best Drama Series, uh, they might give it to Game of Thrones, but I think that the, uh, I think Watchmen has actually a, a big chance here, as well as uh, Succession. But that's just me, so I think it's going to be HBO no matter what. All right, let's move on to the film categories here as we scroll up. <coughs> Apologize for the coughing. Uh, okay, here we go. Best score. So, here's the thing about best score. Let me let me go ahead and pull up Gold Derbies. Uh, did they do the predictions for best score? They actually might not. They don't. It's weird. They do sound editing, sound mixing, but not score. It's very curious. But uh, as far as I've seen, I don't think I don't think any film that I've seen so far has had a better score than Joker did. You know, I was uh, pretty positive to mixed on that movie. Um, I mean, Us had a good score as well. So it's Us, Little Women, Joker, Marriage Story, 1917, and The Irishman. Um, yeah, I think Joker's you got to give that to Joker. So this is the best song is where um, I'm really happy that the Critics' Choice exists because no other film association has been giving Wild Rose any love at all. And the fact that they finally nominated Glasgow, No Place Like Home for Wild Rose. Uh, brings a smile to my face because that movie is fantastic and I love that freaking song. Uh, I mean, you know, the Elton John thing maybe. I think it's Into the Unknowns to Lose here. Uh, I don't think Spirit from The Lion King uh, has any chance. Speechless from Aladdin, no shot. Um, yeah, it's it's going to be a Dino Menzel again. Best foreign language film. I have only seen Pain and Glory and Parasite from this list. Uh, Parasite's got it in the bag. It's not, no shot. Best sci-fi or horror movie, it's Avengers Endgame. Nobody else is winning that category. Best comedy, 
Um, I think this is this is a very interesting category because you have Booksmart, which actually is a very big critic's favorite. Dolomite has been a name a lot of people liked, but I don't think it was as widely beloved as Booksmart. Uh, the Farewell critics love that movie, as do I, Jojo Rabbit, and Knives Out. I kind of have a feeling this is going to Knives Out. But maybe Jojo Rabbit. We'll see. Best action movie, I think it's going to Avengers Endgame. No shot at anybody else. Uh, I don't think John Wick 3 is anywhere near good enough to be on that list. Best animated feature should go to How to Gender Dragon, The Hidden World, but it will go to Toy Story 4. Best visual effects. Um... In my opinion, I haven't seen the Aeronauts yet. I haven't seen 1917 yet. Ad Astra had some really fantastic effects on the moon. But if we're really going like best, I don't think the Irishman actually had good effects at all. So I I would say it comes down to the Lion King or Avengers Endgame. But I think Avengers Endgame wins that. Best hair and makeup. Um, You're probably going to give that to Bombshell there just for the fact that... Uh, Charlie's Throne looks exactly like Megyn Kelly, and I think everybody knows that. And everybody's going to vote for it just because of that. Best costume design, uh, I would think that this goes to Once Upon a Time in Hollywood or Little Women. But Downton Abbey's got an outside shot there. Best editing, uh, ben, the Safdie Brothers films are usually very well edited, so I can see why Uncut Gems is in there. Um, Ford v. Ferrari had some really, really great editing. That's a film that requires great editing. Uh, because of all the racing scenes, uh, so that's that's up there. Uh, Parasite, though, wow, great editing in that movie. I don't think I think the Irishman had the exact opposite of great editing. There were a couple moments in the Irishman that I thought were like editing mistakes that they left in there, and I was stunned. So I don't think that movie should even be on there. Nineteen Seventeen, I've heard great things, I just can't comment on it. Um, but I think you give this, in my opinion, you give it to Ford v Ferrari, but. Seems like a Once Upon a Time in Hollywood type thing. Best Production Design, I think that this... Mm, I think it has to go to Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. I think it has to. I'm looking, I'm looking. Is there anything else? No, I, I really... I think it has to go to Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Cinematography. Eh, the Lighthouse, no. 1917, no. I mean, I haven't seen it yet, but it's Deacon, so maybe. Uh, Ford v. Ferrari... Wow, the cinematography in that movie. Irishman, nothing special there. Good, just nothing special. Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, fantastic. And Joker, really great as well. So that's a toss-up. I don't know. Adapted screenplay. Eh. To me, it's Jojo Rabbit. But to everybody else, it'll probably come down to Little Women uh, and the Two Popes. Best original screenplay. I haven't seen Marriage Story yet. I gotta watch that. That might be tonight's viewing. Uh, I think The Farewell's gotta take that home. I do. Parasite as well, but The Farewell, should, it's gotta take home at least one award. Best Director, I think more than likely they give this to Quentin Tarantino. Uh, but don't sleep on Noah Baumbach. Or Bong Joon-ho, actually. Uh, best Acting Ensemble, I think that's by far and away, to me at least, it's Knives Out. Uh, that's me. Best Young Actor, Actress, Julia Butters, Roman Griffin Davis, Noah Juppé, Thomas McKenzie, Shahadi Wright-Joseph, and Archie Yates for Jojo Rabbit. Uh, I love that you have three actors in, from Jojo Rabbit. Uh, I would give it to Archie Yates just because I freaking love that character. No, I'm kidding. Uh, I think Thomas McKenzie actually gives the best performance out of anybody here. Uh, if they would have nominated, and I don't think Margaret Qualley would have been 
up for Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. She's too old, but uh, if they would have nominated her, I would have given it to her. But I think that uh, Thomas and Mackenzie is to lose there. Best Supporting Actress. From what I hear, Laura Dern, it's uh, hers to lose. Florence Pugh is fantastic. Um, haven't seen Little Women yet. Margot Robbie, I hear, is really good in Bombshell. Uh, Zhao Zhuzhen from The Farewell is fantastic. I'm so happy she's in there. Um, but I think it's probably Laura Dern's from Marriage Story. Although Scarlett Johansson is really, really good in Jojo Rabbit. Best Supporting Actor. Uh, Willem Dafoe for The Lighthouse. Tom Hanks for A Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood. Anthony Hopkins, The Two Popes. Al Pacino and Joe Pesci for The Irishman and Brad Pitt for Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. I've said this since July, but nobody should be beating Brad Pitt for Best Supporting Actor uh, in any movie this year. Uh, it's got to be his his time to finally win an Oscar, I think, as well. Uh, Best Actress. Aquafina, The Farewell. Cynthia Irvo, uh, Arrivo, actually, for Harriet. Scarlett Johansson for Marriage Story. Lupita Nyong'o for Us. Saoirse Ronan for Little Women. Charlize Theron for Bombshell, Renee Zellweger for Judy. Uh, it's Renee Zellweger for Judy's uh, to lose here. Best Actor, Antonio Banderas, Pain and Glory, Robert De Niro, The Irishman, Leonardo DiCaprio, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, Adam Driver, Marriage Story, Eddie Murphy, Dolomite is my name, Joaquin Phoenix, Joker, Adam Sandler, Uncut Gems. Um, yeah, I think they got everybody here. Uh, I, would, uh, I would vote for, God, I would probably vote for Joaquin Phoenix. But I wouldn't mind if DiCaprio won again. I just don't think it's going to happen. Adam Driver also, I hear, is really good in Marriage Story. And here we go for Best Picture for Critics' Choice is 1917. Ford v. Ferrari, The Irishman, Jojo Rabbit, Joker, Little Women, Marriage Story, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, Parasite, and Uncut Gems. Uncut Gems getting in the Best Picture race there. I uh, did not expect that. Um, which one are they missing here? Because it seemed to me that there was something in my mind, that they didn't have that they should have. Uh, Richard Jewell, I've heard good things about Booksmart. I would love to see in there. Uh, did they nominate The Farewell? Uh, the Farewell is not in Best Picture. That's interesting to me. Um, did, wait, did they really give Joker really Best Picture? Okay. Uh, and, um, yeah, to me, I would give it to Jojo Rabbit or Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Um but really wouldn't mind if anybody, if any of these films won. I think it'd be really interesting if Uncut Gems won. There's just no chance, though. Uh, but Best Actor, they didn't give, uh, or they did give Adam Sandler a nomination for Uncut Gems. Okay. All right, let's move on to the Globes. Let's move on to the Globes. Okay, so you got Best Performance by an Actress uh, in a Television Series, Musical Comedy. Uh, again, I think it's Phoebe Waller-Bridges to lose. Pretty much the same list of actors. Best Performance by an Actor in a Television Series, Musical Comedy. I think it's Bill Hader's to lose there. Best performance by an actress in a supporting role in a series, blah, blah, blah. Mm, oh, gosh. Again, I think it's Meryl Streep's to lose. And then I think Carrot Harrington loses out again to Billy Porter for Pose for Best Actor in a Television Series Drama. Uh, let's move on to the next page here of Golden Globes nominations. Best Television Limited Series Motion Picture Made for Television. Um, I am... The only one here which I have, I don't plan on watching is Catch-22, but that could change. Um, everything else I have either seen or am in the process of seeing. Best performance by an actress in a limited series motion picture made for television. Oh, God, it'd be great if Caitlin Deaver won it, but I think Michelle Williams from Fosse Verdon is going to win that. 
Uh, Joey King getting in there for the act is interesting. Um, yeah, let's move on to Best Actress in a Television Series Drama. The Morning Show's been getting a lot of love for the Globes. Uh, interesting, but I think Jodie Comer uh, and her weird character of Villanelle, I think, is going to win this one. Even though you got Reese and Jennifer and Nicole Kidman, you got like Hollywood gold here. I mean, this is like royalty in Hollywood, those three. Kidman, Witherspoon, and Aniston. And then, of course, the not newcomer, but a relative awards winner, newcomer, Olivia Coleman for The Crown. Uh, but I think Comer takes that home. Uh, best original score. They, mm, let's see here. They did give one for Joker, Marriage Story, Little Women, Motherless Brooklyn, and 1917. I really do hear good things about Thomas Newman's score for 1917. Um, and, of course, the Splat's score for Little Women. But I think you give it to, to Hildur Gudinatunur. I totally mispronounced that name, but I had to at least try uh, for Joker. Uh, let's move on here. Best original song. Of course, there's no nomination for Wild Rose because the Golden Globes doesn't give a shit. Uh, you know, Lion King gets a song, Into the Unknown. I'm Gonna Love Me Again from Rocket Man. Beautiful Ghost from Cats. Stand Up from Harriet. I think it's Into the Unknowns to Lose once again. Best television series drama. There's no Game of Thrones in this category, actually. But a couple other HBO shows. You got Succession. You got Big Little Lies. You got The Crown. Killing Eve and Morning Show. Wow. Um, I don't think Killing Eve has a shot in hell. Uh, haven't seen The Morning Show. Have yet to see The Crown. And I haven't seen Succession yet. I plan on watching all of them. Just haven't seen them yet. Uh, I would give it to Big Little Lies. Best television series, musical comedy. It's Fleabag. Nobody else is winning. Let's let's move on. Uh, best director, motion picture. Bong Joon-ho for Parasite. Sam Mendes for 1917. Todd Phillips for Joker. Martin Scorsese for The Irishman. And Quentin Tarantino for Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Um, yeah, uh, not much, not much shock here at all. But I think, I think that you, I think that they actually will give it to Todd Phillips. That's my gut. I don't know. Maybe Quentin Tarantino. The the, the Golden Globes always throws like a wild card in here. Like for for all these awards, there's always like a wild card. Like, oh, how did that movie win? Uh, best screenplay, motion picture, Parasite, Two Popes, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, The Irishman, and Marriage Story. I think Marriage Story wins that. Best motion picture, animated, Frozen 2, The Lion King, which is funny that The Lion King is nominated for this, but uh, I guess it technically is an animated movie. How to Train Your Dragon, The Hidden World, Missing Link, and Toy Story 4. Again, it should be How to Train Your Dragon 3. It will end up being Toy Story 4. Best motion picture, foreign language, Les Mis, Pain and Glory, Parasite, Portrait of a Lady on Fire, and The Farewell. The Farewell is considered foreign language? Hmm. I guess it is, but there's a lot of English in it, too, so that's interesting. Because I don't feel like it's going for best foreign language for other award shows. Uh, but it's going to be Parasite, guys. It's going to be Parasite. Moving on, best performance by an actress in a motion picture, musical or comedy. Beanie Feldstein for Booksmart, Emma Thompson for Late Night, Aquafina for The Farewell, and Kate Blanchett for Where'd You Go, Bernadette? And finally, the one who I am absolutely stoked that is even in this category is on his day, Armas, for Knives Out. But I feel like Aquafina's got this in the bag. It's such a weird category. Late Night has had no buzz. Booksmart came out early in the year. 
uh, Knives Out as an ensemble. I didn't think anybody would get nominated. And Kate Blanchett for Where'd You Go, Bernadette? Get out of here. That movie was average, even less than average. Uh, best performance by an actor in a motion picture musical comedy. Uh, interesting that Daniel Craig gets in here for Knives Out. Roman Griffin Davis for Jojo Rabbit. Leonardo DiCaprio, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Taron Egerton for Rocketman. And Eddie Murphy for Don't Let Is My Name. The uh, all uh, again, I think I think you know maybe they turn it around from not giving DiCaprio the award so many times and then giving uh, him it for Revenant and give it to him again for Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. But for some reason, my my mind is going to Daniel Craig for this. If they're nominating him, there's got to be a lot of love behind it um, for Knives Out. Best performance by an actress in a supporting role in a, any motion picture: Margot Robbie for Bombshell, Kathy Bates for Richard Jewell, Annette Bening for The Report. Laura Dern for Marriage Story, and Jennifer Lopez for Hustlers. It almost seems likely that um, Jennifer Lopez has got a shot because that's a Golden Globe type of thing to do. They would definitely give it to her. Like that, That is absolutely something they would do. Um, but I think, again, I haven't seen the movie, but I think Laura Dern, from what I hear, is the best awards-worthy shot this year for Best Supporting Actress. Best Performance by an Actor in a Supporting Role in Any Motion Picture. Uh Tom Hanks for Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood, Anthony Hopkins for Two Popes, Al Pacino for The Irishman, Joe Pesci for The Irishman, and Brad Pitt for Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Um, God, that's a tough one. That's that's really, that's a tough one. No, it's not at all. Like I said earlier, Brad Pitt's going to freaking win. There's nobody even close in this category. I haven't seen The Two Popes, but there's no way Anthony Hopkins does what Brad Pitt does in Once Upon a Time. Let's move on to the last bit of nominees here. Best performance by an actor in a motion picture drama. Christian Bale for Ford v. Ferrari. Antonio Banderas for Pain and Glory. Adam Driver for Marriage Story. Joaquin Phoenix for Joker. And Jonathan Price for The Two Popes. I think they're going to give it to Joaquin Phoenix for Joker. Whether or not he's been at the award show or not, they're going to give it to him. Okay, best performance by an actress in a motion picture drama. Scarlett Johansson, Stere Sharonin, Charlize Theron, Renee Zellweger, and Cynthia Erivo for all the movies I've already mentioned 15 times in the podcast. It's probably Renee Zellweger again, but again, the Golden Globes just do a weird thing every year. Like just, I'm telling you, they just do a weird thing. They, they nominate, they award people who you don't think they're going to award. I could see Saoirse pulling it out for Little Women, but where the hell was Florence Pugh on the Best Supporting Actress there? Uh, best Motion Picture, Musical, or Comedy, Jojo Rabbit, Knives Out, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, Rocket Man, and Dolomite is My Name. It's actually a pretty good list of movies there, um, but I actually do think Knives Out is going to win. Again, it's, if they nominated it, there's got to be a lot of love there because it was not expected to get nominated. 1917, The Irishman, Joker, Marriage Story, and The Two Popes for Best Motion Picture. God, that's another interesting group of films. I think The Irishman is going to take that home. For Marriage Story, it'll be up in the air between the two. Okay, that is the total list of Golden Globes and Critics' Choice Awards. <sighs> what else do we want to get to? Do we want to talk about The Mandalorian and how much of a letdown that last episode was? I don't know. It was it was a letdown. wasn't a lot there. It was kind of just like a filler episode, if you could even call it good enough to be a filler. It was just kind of like blah. We did the same thing we did in episode two. His ship is a little bit damaged. He's got to go on a mission to get them enough money to pay for the repairs of his ship. It's like it's the same bloody thing as the second episode. Um, so 
to me, you know, take it or leave it. Uh, last we had we had uh, more Batman casting as Peter Sarsgaard joined um, Matt Reeves as the Batman. More than likely, I think he'll be playing Two Face. It just would be weird to not actually say he's playing Two Face in the announcement because they've done that with every other, you know, actor. So I don't, I don't, I don't know. It just would be weird if he's not playing Two Face and they, or if, it'd be weird if he's playing Two Face and they didn't announce it. Um, so. But I don't know. I think the name actually did come out. I can't remember what it was now. Like, I was looking at Matt Reeves' Twitter. I think people were commenting that his name, the name of the character did come out. It's just like a lawyer or something. Or not a lawyer. It's just like a, a random reporter or something, I want to say. I don't know. Maybe that was just a rumor. Um, but we'll see. I don't I don't, you know, I don't. know how much more casting we have. If, if that is Harvey Dent, if Peter Sarsgaard is Harvey Dent, I think that's the last bit of casting we really have, at least the big names. Um, so we'll see there. And I think that'll pretty much do it. I think by the time I do episode 35, we will probably, most likely, fingers crossed, please, Christopher Nolan, have a trailer for Tenet, uh, which will come out in July. I know we had the the brief teaser that was kind of leaked, and then it was in a different language over the summer with Hobbs and Shaw, but it's like, no, give me an actual trailer. I think the IMAX preview is being played with Rise of Skywalker, apparently, uh, in the next coming weeks, so I'm stoked for it, Um, but... I really just, I just want that trailer. I want it. I want it. And I want it. I hope it drops right now while I'm recording. And then I'm like, well, why didn't I talk about it on the, the podcast? Anyway, uh, that'll just about do it. Until next time on the G-Drop the, the Film Buff Podcast, have a Jumanji-filled week.